Hey, everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Teachers Off Duty. Uh, given what has happened in Virginia uh, with the case of a six-year-old uh, shooting their teacher, today's episode is going to be about school safety, so stay tuned. Thank you for tuning in to our episode of Teachers Off Duty. It's a little bit of a different vibe. It's kind of more somber than our usual comedy and fun stuff, but um, it's an important topic that we were talking about. So today we are discussing uh, what's been in the news, the the Rich Neck Elementary School um, shooting in Virginia. Um, so we're going to give the facts and then we are going to discuss this. So here's what happened to our understanding. Uh, a first grader, a first grade teacher, Abby Zwerner, was shot by her six-year-old student during a lesson. Uh, the six-year-old took his mother's gun, which was purchased legally. Allegedly, Zwerner had notified the school about her concerns over the students. I had posted a video about this, um, as did, you know, all of us posted something about it. And some of um, colleagues at the school had reached out. They don't want to be named, but they had said that the student had been a concern. PBS News reports, according to the superintendent, George Parker, administrators at the school learned the student had a weapon in his possession before the shooting, but did not find the 9mm handgun when they searched his bag. NBC News reports it's unlikely that the six-year-old will be charged, but his parents could be. With all of the bad, we do wanted to say um, that uh, Abby's sister started GoFundMe for her um, to help out financially, which is really heartening to see so many teachers donating when teachers we already know don't make a whole lot. So let's open this up. This is such a tough topic yeah. to even like, where do you even begin with something so tragic right. like yeah. this? Right. Yeah, there's, there's so yeah. much to unpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot. Our hearts go out to Abby. Yeah. And with what happened, that's terrible and you never want anybody to be in a situation like that and and we just want to talk about school safety what can be done what should be done yeah. because teachers everywhere are they're strug- frustrated they're struggling struggling yeah. Yeah. scared worried yeah. because this is nothing new which is sad right that's a, a harsh reality yep. of education is it's not anything new Right. I mean, it's it's just terrifying. It's I mean, I I don't know about you guys, but like you know, I'm I'm 28 years old, so like we were just talking about this a little bit earlier. Like our first thoughts of like what you know school shootings we first remember experiencing right. or like seeing on the news, and um, I personally remember when Sandy Hook happened yeah. in 2000, was it 2012 or 13? Around I, I think 13, it was, yeah. yeah maybe. So I had just graduated high school and was actually in my first semester of college to become a teacher and that happened. And I seriously contemplated whether or not that was something I wanted to do because you never think of it like that. Like as, as an educator, you don't think you're going to be put in a situation where you could potentially lose your life or a yeah. student of yours could lose yeah. their lives. And that's horrifying. I was never taught in school when I was going to school for education how to take a bullet, right? You're, that's not something you're taught in school, and it's something that is, that is is unfortunately very common and kind of a reality now. Um, and when I initially heard the news, I thought, yeah. And I wasn't shocked until I found out the age of the child because that's the age that's a little older than what I teach. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. And then processing that even more, I was like, yeah. And I think that's what the disappointing is because my first experience with the school shooting was Columbine. I'm a little older than you guys. But I remember looking at my teacher's faces because they put it on the screen and being like, looking at how horrified they were. But also, I was young 
enough to not realize that we weren't in danger, right? I thought this was happening like everywhere around the world, or maybe it was like the school right across the street, but it wasn't. I grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing my teacher's face and being like horrified by that. And then when Sandy Hook happened, I was teaching and we turned on the TVs like we did when I was a kid. And I remember being horrified watching that. I thought my students are seeing what I saw when I was that that age. And it was horrific because I never thought could happen in an elementary school until Sandy Hook. And what else is terrifying about the current situation that just happened last week was you know, you think about the other, I don't know how many students Abby had, but the other, you know, potentially 16 to 24 students traumatized in that room that are now traumatized from witnessing their own teacher who they feel safe with. Correct. And who like their classroom was their, you know, hopefully their safe place. Right. And now that's completely ruined for right. them. And right. I, I don't know how, you know, you expect you know, the children or the staff to go back into that location and feel safe again. We all have different experiences when it comes to school violence and things like that. For me, I don't ever remember a time without school shootings because I was born in 1998. I I don't know a life that's different than that. Mm -hmm. And my father, who's been a lifelong educator, we were talking about it and he said that when he first started teaching, that was unheard of. That was never a thought. And for me, I don't know a world without school shootings. I don't. And you almost become desensitized to it. Oh, yeah. And I actually just had this conversation with my coworkers. And I've been feeling this way for about a month. And I I didn't know what it was. And I finally put it together. In my classroom at the school I teach at, I'm kind of tucked behind a corner. And I can't see out into Mm, the hallway. And when ever like your desk yeah yeah okay yeah i can't see in the hallway so whenever i'm in my room and i hear a bunch of loud noises going on my fight or flight kicks off 100 and i'm not the type of person to be super reactive i'm not a very reactive person i'm usually really good at process situation keep it cool yeah yeah i was thinking the last month like what is this like I, i don't feel right when i hear these things and I was like, oh my gosh, that's my fight or flight kicking on yeah. because I'm always on alert in case there's something that's going to happen. And any loud noise, I think, okay, now's the time. Now yeah. it's happening. And I know there's a lot of teachers that feel that way. And it's it's scary. It's not a fun feeling to have. The fact that you brought up like the sounds, okay? Because mm-hmm. we all yeah. think like, oh, well, I know what a gun sounds like. It's a locker like. shutting. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. But that's exactly yeah. it. You, yeah. you don't hear it when you're like when it's muffled by all the normal everyday sounds of a school i'm actually very proud of my school in the way that they've handled you know our safety um i think that my superintendent and my principals like all my administration really does care about it's comprehensive you were talking about oh it's so in-depth yeah and uh, apparently i didn't even know this but like okay so we like our our past in-service days that we've had at least half of the day was dedicated to you know, our safety, like meetings, like planning and our, our safety plan and um, like training for us. And we are like our m- the most safe school in our county. Yeah. Which makes me feel amazing for like yeah. my students and obviously myself. I mean, I don't want to go to a school where I feel unsafe. Yeah. But like the things that they're doing are are things that I think other schools could do. Yeah. And I, I think it's sad that it has to be that extensive yeah but you know better safe than sorry you'd rather err on the side of extreme caution 100 yes. percent every time all of a sudden something happens and then you look back and think 
what were we doing? How, yeah. how were we not prepared for this? And that's one of the <laughs> things that as teachers nationwide, we get frustrated because we see these stories. We yes. know these stories. We live these stories. We live yeah. these stories. And then you're in the situation when you see schools that aren't prepared for it. Mm-hmm. This is nothing new. You have to be prepared for it. And granted, you'll never be fully prepared, but you can be right. more prepared than 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 a lot of different schools. We need to be. And it makes me sad we have to be. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I don't know how to like... That dichotomy is like really difficult for me, right? Because yeah. I'm like, we shouldn't be wasting a half day of professional development on this, but we have to. When right. when I when I was talking about this incident online, I was getting these comments from people, and they were devastating. There was a, a school nurse who was like, "Yeah, I did an entire thing on how how to stop the bleeding," and I was like. We did that. I did that my first week of school. We did stop the bleed. And I had to learn how to pack a wound. Oh, my God. And I had to learn how to apply a tourniquet, which is something I never thought Mm. I would ever have to learn how to do being an elementary school teacher. When I started teaching, we didn't need this. Like Gabe talking about what they do now is breaking my heart. That Mm -hmm. I mean, we have there's an age (laughs) there's there's an age difference between us and securing what the new teachers are doing now. It's like. Uh, 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 a teacher was saying that her daughter had to sit down and talk with her and was like, I need you more than they do. And talking about the students. And it broke my heart that a child is saying, mom, I don't want you to teach anymore because it feels that unsafe. Like, I need you more than the students because we talked about it. Somebody said that. Um, it's uh, The comment that was on there was heartbreaking to me. That, like, that makes me want to cry. Like, that's and, so sad. And I just think to myself, like, we were talking about earlier, th- there's this thing of like, once something, like, you have the right to live, I think is what it's called or something. So you're not, mm. a teacher is not obligated to save the students. I don't know someone who's in education. You're in there because you you you, you, love, children. you love the kids. You, yeah. you want to advocate for the kids. And I don't know of a single teacher who'd run out. I read a, a great report about Abby. And they said that when they looked at the security footage, she was the last one out of the room. She I them did all see that. She got the kids out of the room yeah, even the while police, she was shot. Even the police were calling her a hero. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's absolutely incredible. For her to be able to get shot and then have the presence of mind to say, I got to keep these kids safe. I'm getting them out of there. She, yeah. She's a hero. I, I, I mean, that's incredible. From what I heard, she was shot. Like she brought her hand up. To like defend herself or she like went, you know as a reflex yeah. and was shot like through her hand into her chest. So is that is that from correct? What I, from w- the reports that I've been reading, like news wise, yeah. um, it was she was trying to confiscate the gun and oh, it shot and, her okay. here and went into her chest. So she was able okay. to get shot in the hand and chest, still take the gun and make sure all the kids were walked to safety. Right, and then went into critical condition. She's young. She's a young teacher. Twenty five. We do want to talk about. Not solutions or, I mean, maybe solutions or maybe just things that have been talked about in the news that yeah. things you can do. But, like, she's not a trained security officer. She's not, she's, she is, she's not a resource officer. And she's able to get a, get a, a hold of the situation. And there were no casualties. And that is mind-boggling to me. Yeah. Like, but the fact she had to do that. These topics, I, I just sit here I and know, shake the too. whole time we talk about them because I just get so worked up about it. Like, I, I hadn't even heard that this is how under a rock I live. Like I hadn't even heard this happened until Monday but of this not, past week, and it happened. And it happened Friday. Yeah. Of the of the previous week, yeah. and I like I saw this and I was like, what? It wasn't covered though. In it the really world. wasn't covered. Yeah. And then like I made I made a video, you know, just saying how how sorry I felt for Abby, and yeah. I walked upstairs and I just started crying, and yeah. I looked at Jordan, and I was like, I feel disgusted that I just had to make that video. Like right. I like. I, 
why is this still going on? Right. Why is it, you know, even from Columbine, we know school shootings, shootings did not just start at Columbine, but like right. since Columbine over 20 oh years my. ago, why yeah. is it still a prevalent issue that we cannot solve in right. the United States of America? Because it's not just the US all these problem. other countries. Yeah. All these other countries don't yeah. have the same problems that we have. Right. And it's, it's disheartening because you feel like there's never going to be a solution. One of the things that we had talked about before right. the show is, hey, let's try to put on paper what are, like you said, not necessarily solutions, but things that we can do to prevent this, things like this from right. happening going forward. Right. And we came up with, you know, you. a few different things and we had such good conversations. Yeah. And tell, yeah. Do you want to share what you what you yeah. had read about the school counselors? I said at the beginning of this episode, I was going to try to put on my therapist hat and kind of back away from the teacher role. So if, if you don't know, I'm finishing out a few more weeks left until I'm mm -hmm. a full-blown therapist. But mental health is one thing that people talk about quite a bit, um, both teachers and students, but also what access within the schools do we have? So um, the American School Counselor Association uh, they recommend a ratio of 250 students to every one counselor. With that recommendation, there are only two states in the entire U.S. that meet those ratios. Vermont has a ratio of 186 to 1, and then New Hampshire has a ratio of 208 to 1. On the opposite side of that, the three highest ratios in the United States, Michigan is at 615 to 1, Arizona is at 651 to 1, and Indiana is at 694 to 1. Um, and I, I'm assuming people are going to ask because we're talking about Virginia. Virginia is at is a ratio of 307 to 1. So we're talking about children in crisis, mm -hmm. right? Um, and what resources are there? I know in, in Pennsylvania, it's not required that a school ha every school has a social worker, for example. Mm -hmm. Social workers are the um, number one profession that provides mental health services. So if you've seen a therapist, more than likely they've been a social worker. Some states don't even require that, that, that they have one for each school, right? So... Sometimes, and I know, I know for, for me, when I've had students, I've, I've come home and a student has been having mental health crisis for weeks and months, and I'm trying to work with the parents. And a lot of times the parents want to work with me as the administration that's not coming in. Mm -hmm. Because what services are, we don't, we didn't have a counselor in my last can, school. And can I just say this, like, okay, this is telling the ratio of students to one counselor. Yeah. But how many of those singular counselors are also responsible for like attendance records yep. and testing yep. records yep. and all these other like, frankly, BS jobs that have right. nothing to do with actual mental right. health? Right. Like, okay, okay, attendance, I could see like checking in on the kids who are not coming right. to school. Right. But like. How are they supposed to have the time to meet Correct. with these students who might have like a mental illness or a trauma situation Correct. or something they need to discuss right. if they're so busy doing bureaucratic things? School counselors wear a lot of different hats. They do. Sure. A lot they of do. different hats. So uh, that's, that's frustrating to me as yeah. well. And like, like I was fortunate um the high school i went to we had a counselor for each grade level yeah yeah um i don't know if that's you know typical we did yeah okay but um i mean even within that i grad my graduating class was 363 people yeah so like that one counselor followed us all four years of high right. school but like they still had upwards of you know 350 kids right. which is yeah which is above the ratio yeah. <laughs> like and that's putting a lot of pressure on that counselor mm -hmm. to care for that many kids. Like you, you, you see that. Like, could yeah. you imagine pouring your heart into that many people at once? I have 
10 clients right now and I do an hour session with them. And then after that session, you type out notes, you have to do follow-ups, you have to do checkups, you have to talk to their psychiatrist. If, if I have a, 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 a someone that's under the age of 18, I talk to the parents. It's for every hour you're giving a session to, you're doing at least another hour after that. Mm-hmm. So if you have- If you're in Indiana, it was 694 right. to one. And I grew up in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the same thing. It, they had four counselors, but it wasn't by grade, it was by last name. Okay. And our school had about 1,600 kids in it. Yeah. So- Do the math. I, I, saw, mean, my, like... I saw my counselor um, once a year to help me with classes. Why is a counselor- Doing the scheduling classes. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why, but that's the extent of me seeing my counselor. It was I, never something happened. Yeah, it's infuriating. So like I, I guest host on a different podcast like a few weeks ago. And the one question he asked me, and this is my answer every single time, he asked me like if I could do one thing, if I could change one thing in education, like dream change at all. I said mental health resources for students. Yeah. 100%. Like built-in yes. therapy yes. in the school yes. for yes. the kids. I think this is the frustrating thing for me is because, again, in Indiana, when I was in elementary school, we had um, – they would play We Are Family. Mm-hmm. And everyone went to – every single personnel in that school, cafeteria worker, custodian, every single person in that school in order to make this work – had like seven kids to them. And you would see them like once every two weeks for like a little bit. And it was so that these adults could connect with these kids to make sure everything was okay. But the only way they were able to do that is one by moving around the curriculum. And it was every single school personnel in order to make that work. That's not probable. But right. like, why aren't we kids regularly able to see someone, especially at school? Because Cause it comes down to funding. Right. <laughs> no, 100%. That's, that's it where, is. where it teachers is. get yep. so frustrated, yep. me it, included, because yeah. we see so many solutions that can can be done yeah. but the money isn't there yeah. yeah and then it's we're now seeing what happens we're seeing it become a safety issue right when you aren't properly funding education right. you're putting people in danger right. and yeah. you can't deny that anymore you no. can't deny no. it no yeah. because we've been seeing this for 20 30 years now yeah yeah it's it's crazy i mean the first we were talking the first school shooting was 17 six, 1764 and it's been pretty um continuous since and i think the only difference of the i think the reason why combine was so big is because of of the the mass casualties and that you know media really but it's, it's so sad because like at any given point in time like someone could probably list off the like at least five school shootings they know of. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, for sure. That yeah. that's sad. <laughs> like, yeah. Why are right. we able to list off places where there have right. been mass amounts of death? Right. Yeah. That's, right. That's disgusting. And this disproportionate amount that's been in a school. Yeah. I think that's my that's my thing. It's just like, like the yeah. one place that it, like you would think you it's should like feel limits. safe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get what the like I don't understand why schools are such a huge target. Well because there's a mental health crisis in them and I, and most of them have been students that are either currently there or have been there and it's because they're not getting that service because teachers are talking to their blue in the face saying, "Hey, there's something wrong with Johnny and I can't pinpoint it. All yeah. I can say is like there's I I just something's up with him." Mm-hmm. And it's just it's dismissed because it is it is money and depending on what school system you're at if you're saying hey i think your child needs to go get a mental health evaluation if you, if if a school person i was suggesting that sometimes the school's able to pay for it yeah so it's just this thing of like you know a snowball effect really i think i think it's one of uh, the other things that we talked about some more solutions and i i was talking about security and school security and i think a lot of people have 
much different experiences when it comes to school security. Yeah. We were talking about school resource officers and the schools I've taught in, I've always had fantastic school resource officers. Agreed. They've been incredible. I know, you know, you look at what happened in Texas, the school resource officer situation there failed the kids. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. no way to to deny that. Yeah. So there's so many different emotions that go toward SROs. I'm a big believer when you have an SRO in the building and they are trained properly, yeah. that is so important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. huge. And that's one of the first things that I look at security-wise. We got to have properly trained right. SROs in more schools. And then I look at buildings in general, school buildings. There are so many buildings that were built in the 50s, 60s, 70s that are still having classes that haven't been modernized. Those those yeah. buildings aren't modernized. They're not safe buildings. Right. New buildings that are being built, I teach in a brand new building. Man, they made that thing so safe. That building is right. so safe. I feel safe in there when it comes to somebody from the outside coming, coming in. in. Yeah. feel very safe. But there's some of these old schools where those buildings aren't safe. Those need that, to be modernized. Right. We gotta put money yeah. into yes. fixing that. My high school that I went to was built in like 1960. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's like, right. I compare it to my school, which is only 10 years old. And like, because at the at the one training we went to um, a few weeks ago, they were, because, you know, people bring up every what if under the sun. Yeah. And they, as they're like throwing out these what if situations, the, we had the, our resource officer, we have um, our, one of the um, employees at my school is also in charge of our like security team. And then they had the police chief of the town there and they would throw these what if situations out. And they literally went through a classroom showing us how our classrooms are essentially bulletproof and how like, you know, because back, I don't know if this is still practiced in other schools, like Alice training where, you know, some places, if the the person, yeah, yeah, if the person's in one part of the building, the other half is escaping or whatever. They tell us like, stay where you are because you're most safe in your room at this point. And, you know, if you leave, you're putting yourself in danger getting out in the hallway. The frustrating thing too, of like all these very expensive, like you you had mentioned like a, a full day or half day of professional development stuff. And it's like, you know, we're supposed to implement and talk to the kids about that. One of um, uh, a teacher that's on, you know, social media said that they, oh my God, it was devastating. They have um, uh, suckers that, so if there is a threat, they give the kid the suckers because he teaches kindergarten so they'll be quiet. Oh and my I God, that is so sad. when he told me that because I was like, oh my God. That's, um, that, I mean, I hate to say, that's very smart. It's so smart. Very smart. It's so smart. So sad. Right. Like, gonna ruin that candy forever for me oh but 100%. Like, so so smart right like but- my school implemented um we had i think it was like either the national honor society at the school or like the key club or something they put together emergency buckets yeah so every single classroom has this emergency oh, bucket yeah. it has we have like tourniquets in them we yeah. have like like army rations yeah. i had one that had a hammer because you would hit the four corners of a window and then it would it would oh yeah we kick have the window out. we have like blankets we have all kinds of stuff in there and then like <laughs> we were even talking about they were like well once you know even if the situation is you know dissolved there's still going to be you know time that you're going to be locked down in your room until we get sugar, you out the sugar in there in case someone's diabetic did well, you that, have those they well, have like yeah. juice boxes and yep, stuff yep. but then they were like your bucket will 
also fashion as your bathroom. Yep. Yep. I was like, well, and then I had like to go in my room. Bucket, right? like that, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the, like the Home Depot yeah, buckets. Yeah. I, I like f- went yeah, in my room yeah. and I was like, all right, well, I guess if I had to put a bathroom up somewhere, I'd turn this table, put a right. blanket this way right. so we could have some privacy. Right. Like having the talk, like teaching fifth graders is a little bit different because they're a little more mature where they understand, yeah. but like they're still children. Oh, and for sure. uh, like having that talk with them, like I'm a hundred percent real with them when I yeah. talk about what a lockdown situation needs to, to look you like. You have to be. I no. can't sugarcoat that with no. them because that's the only way they're gonna take it seriously and understand yeah. is if I tell them what could happen and if I tell them like you know this is what we're gonna do and I know you're gonna be really uncomfortable. I know you need to be silent for a very long time. I get it, but we need to do these things. Yeah. And, and it's important yeah. when you have the drill days yeah. that you're going through lockdowns and what to do yeah. to take it seriously. Yeah. Because I've been in schools before where it's not taken super seriously, right. but teachers have to make sure that we're, we're taking you it serious. You don't get to joke about it. You don't yeah. get to joke about well, it. Well, we all think that like, oh, it's just a drill. This isn't really going to happen yeah. to us until it really happens happen. to you. And uh, then yeah. you're like, oh, crap. I feel like teachers have become the security officers of that school because you have to learn how to secure your room. Yeah. And again, in a way that like, you're not taught that in school. You're not taught to, to no. I, you know, and so I think that's like, have you guys ever had a lock, an actual lockdown? Yeah. Yeah. So the one of the, I've, I've, ha- I've had two. The first one I was using the, the restroom when it happened and we were told that we couldn't leave. And I could, and so I, I opened the door and there, you have to, you have to go back and back. My kids were with the, the para um, and a school administrator or someone, you know, could, so I could use the restroom. I begged them to walk me back. So I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. I want to be with my kids. Um, and so they they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, though, I, I to this day, I still feel guilty about because, we're, again, we're not trained in this. And I had a 19-year-old as a, she was our para. And um, we had a lockdown. And so I uh, ran to the door and I locked it. And the other teacher, she shut the blinds. And we had two um bathrooms in our classroom they were solid doors yeah and so we have you each have a small group and so i took my small group in one with the para and the other teacher took took hers and we're in there and um i had put my phone it's it's hard to let a group of kids know that they have to be serious enough um to not make them cry but not scare them right you know so you you want them to be quiet but you don't want them to giggle and so i remember t- i took my phone i put it upside down and i started making hand puppets and i shoved my jacket um, in the door so they couldn't see the light. And I'm, I'm making hand puppets for the kids to keep them calm. And I look over and she's crying. The pair is. And I looked at her and said, you don't get to do that. I still feel guilt about that because she's 19. You do get to do that. You get to panic. You get to be. Yeah. But it's one of those moments where I'm like, I, you, I we shouldn't have but to. But in that moment, like you're trying oh, to be strong God. for your students. Yeah. Because you yeah. like it, it is like you. we all think like, okay, how would I react in that situation? And like, I would be terrified. Terrified. But. You honestly, I don't have children of my own, but like you take on like a parent role and yeah. you're, I'm like, I would do anything to protect this child yes. in this moment. And I don't care how scary a situation it right. is. I need to put on a brave face and make sure that kid goes right. home to their parent. That night. And I don't blame if a teacher ran out. I get it. If you have your own kids at home, I don't, I, I can't. Right. I don't, I, I, I could not look at a parent and be like, I, I want to get home to my dog. I can't like I I can't I feel exactly the same way maybe we all feel that way I don't know how you feel about it but like and maybe it is because I don't have children of my own like maybe I would feel differently if I had kids to go home to right like I mean I have people at home that I care about enough to get home to also but like 
you know, how how am I going to, how do I put myself above this 10-year-old who's not even halfway through their schooling experience right. yet and just say And you do it. Peace. Yeah. You just like, do it. Yeah, you my, know? my mind goes right to how do I keep everybody safe? Right. How right. do I keep the kids safe? Right. It's never... How do I get out of this situation? How do I keep me safe? It's right. No, we're in this together. We're. I, I'm, yeah. If if I'm going to be in here, I'm in charge of all of you. I'm going to keep all of you safe right. and do do everything that I can. And yeah. it's it's awful. I mean, one of the the stories that I have um, from last year in our the new school school that we had, we were installing um, a lockdown button. So if the button got pressed, it would. You'd go into lockdown. So is it kind of like I, I've never? Is it like a fire alarm? No, it's like a, a, a button in the in the office. Like it was in our principal's gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. room. Oh, okay, so not and everybody has access. Yep, only, to it. it's like only only, it's only it, the office. Does it alert or does like it automatically lock everything? It lo- the alarms go off, locks the outside doors, and then once you hear the alarms, you go into your procedure. Wow, which okay. is oh, okay. awesome, which is fantastic to have. Yeah. yeah. And when they were installing it, it got. It got switched. It went off, and it only went off in my my wing of the school. And at that time, we were having a team meeting, so it was just the core teachers that I work with, and our kids weren't there. And we heard the alarm, and we were kind of looking at each other, like, "Is that a fire alarm?" We're like, "That's not the fire alarm." We're like, we're in we're in lockdown. And then it got real like that, and I will never forget that feeling. And my initial gut reaction was, "Where are the kids? Are they outside? What's going on?" You didn't have you didn't have kids the at that time. Meeting. We didn't have. We were in a team meeting. Oh, I, I missed that. Yeah, yeah we were go. in a team meeting. So, oh my gosh, yeah. I so I immediately went out. Like I, I violated the procedure, and I walked out of the room, and I walked around the hall, make sure we're good, make sure there aren't kids running around. I grabbed my keys, and we were in the room thinking that we're in a legit lockdown, yeah. and we all we're kind of shaken up because we weren't with the students. Yeah. Our minds immediately went yeah. to where are the kids? Are yeah. they okay? What's going on? And eventually we found out that it wasn't a real lockdown. The, the yeah. button got pressed, Thank but God. that was an awful feeling that yeah. I never want to feel again. What my district does a lot, we'll go into shelter in place Yeah, where if there's yeah. a situation in the neighborhood, we'll lock the doors. Yeah. We do like a normal. soft lockdown. Yeah. 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 Yeah, coded now. Yeah, no, but like, okay, so even like fire alarms set me off now yeah. because yeah. of Parkland. Yes. Like I remember I was at my at my other school still when Parkland happened and that was the year that I got moved mid year from second grade to fifth grade. I had been with these kids for two weeks. Yeah. And then that school shooting took place. And I think that changed everybody's like yeah. mindset well, of what do I do when I hear the fire alarm? Do you now? guys have to? They have to. Con- they have to confirm uh, where, where I was at that it was a fire. No, I mean, uh, not th- to my knowledge, right. I, we didn't do that. But like, but like, it made everyone feel uneasy. Like, yeah. if the fire alarm goes off, what do I do? Do right. I stay? Wait do I for go? that confirmation. Yeah. But then it, there's a there's fire. A fire. Like, <laughs> right? It's like what? Right. Yeah. But like you know, like it's just like. There are so many different scenarios that could happen. And how do you possibly protect yourself from all of them? Right. And there's no there's no way. There's no way. It's such a challenge. One of the other solutions that I had written down was accountability of students. If a student, and this is my personal belief, yeah. my personal belief, but if a student has a weapons violation in your district, 
I have a really, really hard time letting that kid back in the district. I, I, I personally believe in second chances. I yeah. want kids to succeed. I get kids screw up, things happen. But if you're bringing weapons to school and you get caught, yeah. I have a hard time saying, yeah, come back. Right, you you right. get a week suspension, come back in the room. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents who feel that way as well. And I know teachers feel that way also. Yeah. And that's a really tough situation because you want kids to be in school. You want that. But where is that point where at you this, draw yeah, the line? At the same respect, are we going to risk those thousands of other students for that exactly. one person? I, I get it. Exactly. And like when I, okay, so when I was in sixth grade, it was my one of my experiences on in a real lockdown and um i I was the student obviously um we i was in my math class it was like right before lunch and the bell is supposed to ring any minute and all of a sudden they come over the speaker and telling us we're in lockdown now my school uh in sixth grade was uh let me see almost 100 years old like uh, no joke it was ancient (laughs) like they were tearing it down the next year we had a new one being built and the doors were not like you know the sturdy solid wood doors like they are now and like you just everyone went into panic mode so like we we locked the doors nobody had you know bolo sticks or night locks like we do now and they made us sit under our desks for four hours in the silence and we later found out that a girl had brought bullets to school and she had carved initials into the bullets and had like a list of students that she would she was going to target yeah when we were kids and it was terrifying because we all like we had no clue they didn't say what was happening we were just well okay we're sitting in this dark room for four hours and you know and she you know eventually got mental health services so and and she was she ended up being okay but like it was a scary situation that could have turned worse from like a clinician standpoint um, I, be- I believe second chances, right? But we don't have the mental health resources to provide those second chances. Right. And we also have to look at why was the child doing it? Does the child have a mental illness, a diagnosis that makes it difficult for them to be around mass amounts of children? Mm-hmm. Um, are they not able to read social cues? Are they, what is going on there? This is not a good environment for them clearly, right? So then we have to look at where can we, where, where is a, a good place for them? Because they're a child, right? Mm-hmm that we can take that that kid and, and make sure that they're safe and figure out what is going on. And we don't have that. So I do agree with you to, to an extent. If, if they're bringing weapons into school, clearly there's something going on at this school that is not conducive to them. And it doesn't mean we pick them up and put them to a different school, right? If someone is an alcoholic and they their, their alcohol choice is beer, it doesn't mean you just take away the beer and then you put them in a, a room full of vodka, yeah. right? Like just because you're putting them into, uh, moving them from elementary school A to B or high school A to B. Doesn't fix the it situation. It does not fix it. There's something going on with them. And I think that's the frustrating thing is we don't, we're not addressing the issue. We're just saying, oh, well, it's because they had boys at school. And I had, I had so many issues. And I, I, I know I talk about my old school a lot, but I've only taught at two schools. Yeah. So I only have those as point of references. But I had so many issues at my old school with, like me reporting behaviors and being made to feel crazy. <laughs> yes. And Gaslight. Gaslight, gatekeep, girl I, boss. Oh my you know? gosh. Uh, constantly. Yeah. I felt like I was a terrible teacher. Yes. I thought it was me. I thought yes. I couldn't handle the behavior. And here, like, you know, looking back on my past seven years teaching, I'm like, no, I'm a damn good teacher. Yeah. And it's a situation that was out of my control. Yeah. And I, I remember um, my first year teaching, I had one of my most difficult students. And... 
I had been physically assaulted by this student. I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. And um, this particular day, I can't remember if I've told the story, but it's pertinent to this scenario. Um, he came to school and he was being real defensive of his backpack. Like he walked in holding it like on his on his chest, like hugging it. And then he went over to his cubby and he was like going from kid to kid. He wouldn't put his, his book bag down, but he was going from kid to kid going like, I've got a surprise in my book bag. I'm not going to show you. Like he would be like real like scary defensive. Yeah. So he put it in the cubby and he kept like walking over to it, peeking in. Checking and then he would on cl- it. Yeah. And so like immediately I was like, mm, that's not right. So... Um, I had like first or second period special, but they were second graders. So like right after they arrived in the morning, they were like headed off to special soon after. So I just like kept him away from the cubby. And then when they went to special, I was like run into that cubby and I, I opened his book bag and it was an iPad. But like, where did my mind go? Exactly. Right. Right. Where did my mind go? And, and for good reason. Right. But it's that's the the reality we live in is that teachers we go to school every day just wishing to teach kids stuff right and instead we have to <laughs> in play fbi agent in yes. the back of our minds and uh, like honestly i i don't know that my anxiety could take that for 30 years oh gosh like i, I really don't and right i love my job but i'm not I'm not going to die I'm there. not willing to die in my classroom. No. Like, I don't want that to happen to anybody at a school. Conversations that always gets had when there's a school shooting is guns. Yeah. There's always that conversation. As as a country, we seem to be pretty divided on guns. Yeah. For me, I, I live in South Dakota. And in South Dakota, our relationship with guns, I would say, is very different than a lot of parts of the country. Correct. We're a very pro-gun state. And rarely do we have any gun violence. Very rarely do we. And like for me, I I own a couple guns. I I believe that if you want to own a gun, own a gun. But you got to be smart with your weapons. You got to have them stored properly. In this situation with uh, the student that shot Abby, the gun was owned by the mother. Somehow this six-year-old had a, a gun in the house that was just from my perspective, probably just floating around. That's what it feels like, yeah. And he brought that gun yeah, we don't to know, school. We don't know where the gun was, but it was accessible well, enough for the six-year-old to get to it. If, if it was in a true gun safe, which is not which is tough to get into, I doubt a six-year-old right. could right. get in there. And obviously this is just speculation. Well, there's, it's, I mean, it, it is. We don't know where the gun was, but exactly. we do know Virginia does not have a law on specifically wh- where to um, store guns. Uh, mm-hmm. And they also don't have a, a law of uh, the age requirement of, of of using one. So he did. He he got his mom's gun, which the mom obtained legally. Um, but in within the investigation, we hit the points was that he he it was intentional, wasn't an accident, right? And he knew how to use it. Mm-hmm. So like we were talking before, it, that's a, that's not a small gun. No, no. And uh, and he was able. To, to get access and, and use it properly. So had there been a law where, again, I, I have, I don't know my perspective. I know that I have mental illness, so I should not and will not own a gun. When I was younger, we went to uh, shooting ranges, you know, every weekend with my dad. And, and, and you know, I begged sixth grade, I got a BB gun. Okay, it's, but as an adult, I know I 
shouldn't. And I, we, I've had loved ones pass away from gun violence. And I know it's not for me. And I'm not saying this mom shouldn't have had it. Mm-hmm. But why wasn't it in a secure space where a child couldn't have access to exactly. it? Right. Exactly. And as you know, parents that are listening to this, even if you think that your son or daughter would never be capable of this, right. never be capable, right. they would never do something like this, you still got to keep your gun safe oh my because gosh, yeah. you never know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. If you're a gun owner, you got to have your guns locked up in a safe spot. Away from your kids. Uh, away from the kids because- We know kids a situation are- like ki- this happens. Kids are MacGyvers. Like they yeah. know right, how to right. get into the yeah. most random right. of places. And yeah. it's- it's not. It doesn't have to be malicious, right? Maybe they're maybe they're doing a, a a project for school and they they needed a prop gun and they didn't think it was loaded or what. You know what? It's not always like in this case it was malicious, but there's been times that a kid's died and been shot because like two friends were playing with it and they were mm-hmm. super young and they didn't know how to use that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's the. It's it's just you know it's like oh yeah no teach kids gun safety, but then it's also like okay, but then also like a six year old know how to use it, but a six year old does not have. You know we talk about. You know what is the age that they can they can start using this? But if their the cognitive development is not there, it's not age appropriate for them to know the item I have is terminal and can you can't bring them back sometimes. Yeah. The first time I ever like shot a gun was like literally a couple years ago. Uh, my father in law is a gun owner, and he took me to and Jordan, my husband, to um, our local like gun and rifle club or whatever to clay shoot. And, um, like I had to obviously go through training to even be able to handle the gun. And the first thing the guy said to me was, he said, what is a gun's number one purpose? And he's like, to kill. Yep. Like that is the only purpose for a gun. And as an adult, that's jarring, but to a kid, they don't, they don't always have the mental capacity to understand that yet. You know what I mean? So I don't, right. I, I kind of agree. I, I don't know. I think there, I personally then, feel like there should be a lim- an age age limit yeah. where you could learn how to use a gun, but I don't think six years old is it. When kids don't even understand that, like you, it's like recommend that when a child's loved one dies, you take them to the funeral so they can see the body so they know they're not just sleeping. Yeah, they're not so going to come back. Right. And right. so like, you know, to kind of like, you know, round it out ish I, this is a hard thing to pack in a 45 minute episode it's like even something as simple as like um they're like you know we don't know how to charge the child it's like well can you charge the child i don't think a six-year-old knows that the person's going to fully not come back you know you know what i mean or fully yeah. understand that there's like, so much there to unpack so in that much, situation so much right. and so like the frustrating thing was it's like uh nbc said that maybe the parents could be charged and i think that was a frustrating thing too it's like Someone has to be held accountable. Yeah. And if and if if I was texting on my phone on the playground and a child fell off the slide and broke their arm, I would be held liable, right? Mm. Like like it's illegal, legal. I'd be held liable. So why are we debating whether the parents should be? I love that point you made. That before we came yeah. out here, I'm like, yeah, that's that's uh-huh. a really really right. good point. Right. Uh, teachers, one of the things that y- that you can do to help protect yourself is constant documentation. When I, know there's, it, I know it's annoying yeah, it because is. we have to document so many things, mm-hmm. but if document, you're going to document, document anything... Document document situations where where kids are misbehaving, when you feel unsafe. You're reporting if, things right. yep, to If admin. you have that track record, yes. you got the receipts. If it's not, That's what's going to protect you. If it's not sitting with you right, it's probably not sitting with you right for a reason. So you might think it's silly, 
do it. Also, mm-hmm. I've uh, in in Pennsylvania, I had a, a teacher friend who said that any kind of c- CPS, what we call child protective services mm-hmm. call, goes through the principal. Absolutely not. I think in every state, this is a requirement. If you if you feel it, you call. Do not rely on the administrator to do it, mm-hmm. a director to do it. You make that phone call. Yeah. Because it might not get documented, and you. It's important. If as as silly as it feels, do it. Document it. And before we sign off, I want to say thank you to all of the schools, the 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 administrators in schools, SROs in schools, teachers in schools who make safety a priority. Yes. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. I, that is it, yeah. so important. And we're starting to see, I think, the shift in a lot of schools where they're saying enough is enough. Yeah. We got to be properly trained. We got to yeah. yeah. make sure this building is as secure as we possibly can. Are we where we need to be? Absolutely not. Right. We're not, we're not even close. Right. But it's having these types of conversations that is going to keep pushing us and try to get us closer to where schools need to be. Yeah, and and in that regard, I think even sometimes it goes above their heads, and we need to look directly at you know our government representatives that are in charge of forming these laws and in charge of funding our schools and things like that, and making safety a priority by allocating the funding to do that. Right. So. I'd like to say that as well. And then um, one other note I'd like to say, um, once again, our hearts go out to Abby yes. and the students in her class and that school community in general. Um, we we recognize that this is a tragedy and we, we really hope that she has a quick recovery and um, services are provided for um, that young man who you know made that decision. And if you have it in you, please go check out her sister's GoFundMe for Abby um, so that she can spend some time to, you know, recover in peace. Well, we hope you guys all stay safe out there and we love all of you. Please take care of each other and we will see you guys next time. Bye.